This podcast is brought to you by the badasses over at Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. Drown ideology in beer. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, luminary. John Denman. John Denman. Good evening, everybody. This is Drink of Ages radio show. I am your host, John Denman. DJ Muskratch is a producer. And this episode of Drink of Ages is brewed up by our friends that know a thing about frozen temperatures. Bell's Brewery Winter White Ale. Winter White Ale is a nice break from the traditional darker winter beer. It's fermented with Belgian ale yeast. This mix of barley and wheat provides aromatics and flavors of clove and fruit without the use of any spices. At 5% ABV, Bell's Winter White Ale is an easy drink of beer meant for embracing winter. Well, to everyone's surprise, uh, Drink of Ages Radio is turning five next month. We're going to be having a nice big party again, like last year at Drink of Ages Pub. Let's um, get all that stuff will be announced this next week. But we've seen the Houston craft beer industry go through some amazing growth and changes. I mean, when we started the show, we spent more time at bars because there were only a St. Arnold, Southern Star, No Label was here, Eighth Wonder in their infancy, Cyclers, Buffalo Bayou, and. I mean, there was also Fort Bend and Texas Big Beer, who you know, unfortunately are no longer with us. It has been a tremendous amount of fun getting to know the people in the industry. I mean, who knew that five years later we'd be having pints at Drink of Ages Pub? Uh, you know, but along the way, we did lose a good friend and the producer of Drink of Ages, Joel Moreland. He passed away in 2016, and we had a tremendous amount of fun times together, and we all miss him dearly. Last week, I was going through old files, getting things together for this week's show, and it was it was really kind of cool, and, and it's just nice to hear his voice and just listening to the conversations that we had yeah, on the radio show back then. It was good, but uh, here we are, 247 shows into it, and I thought it'd be a fun, fun show to flash back to the early DOA days when Preston Brown was a co-host. And we used to hang out and drink a lot of beer at News 92, and every once in a while we'd break away from the studio and... Uh, we'd go check out different bars and places that we like and go hang out there and get to know the people that, that, that ran them and owned them. So went back and pulled some segments. And so what's coming up is going to be when we sample mezcals with Alba over at pastry war and we ate habaneros at mongoose versus Cobra. We were at Rudyard's and Joe brought out this huge giant uh, tray of cheese and we sat there and ate cheese and drank beer for the whole show. Uh, We had wings and pork chops with Channing down at Nobi. And then Ben, Ben before Brash was here and opened up, this is back in Petrol Station, when uh, he stopped by the studio and we of course had a bunch of pints and some other fun stuff. So we have Ben talking Petrol Station before Brash was here. And so let's go ahead and take a break. And when we get back, you will see how my interview skills have not improved much over the last five years. Drink of Ages is having flashbacks when we return. Pops are sexy. Welcome back, craft brew lovers, to Drink of Ages with John and Preston. 
All right, we are on location at the Pastry War, talking to Alba Herrera, co-owner. Welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? Good. So tell us a little bit about your place. What is the Pastry War? So the Pastry War is a collaborative project between Bobby Hugel and myself. It is, we labeled it a mezcaleria. The reason being is that before tequila or anything else was labeled a denomination of origin, it was all known as mezcal. So when you walk in the door over the, you know, you'll see a sign that says Mescaleria. It's not that we just sell mezcal. It's just that before it was tequila or bacanora or anything else, it was all mezcal. And that's how we like to think about the agave spirit that we sell behind the bar. So what exactly is mezcal? There's, uh, mezcal is, has a different method of production than tequila. So it's always easier to talk about mezcal and tequila kind of in the same context because people are familiar with tequila more than they are with mezcal, where mezcal is a new recent product that is being brought into the U.S. Now, with tequila, there can only be one agave that's used for production and distillation. And with mezcal, there's up to 40, 42 different varietals that are used of agave. A lot of those are wild. A lot of those are cultivated, but they just range in in varietals and where they're grown, how they're grown, sizes, different age, different ages, where the Tequilana Blue Weber is the one that's used for tequila. It's generally between eight to 10 years. And in mezcal, you'll see agaves that are anywhere between eight to 17. I've even heard of a 30-year-old Tobala. I've never had it, but I, I hear these things, and they're not uh, too far off the cuff because they're definitely wilder, harder-to-find varietals of agave. We were talking earlier about the different types of agave, and you were saying the best, the top shelf is the wild stuff where the guys have to go up into the mountains right. and get the stuff and drag it on back of donkeys. And Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I think recently uh, what we've seen a lot is new varietals of mezcal that are being brought into the market as we we have these very close relationships with our producers and as we talk to them about tobala for example or we talk to them about tobasiche and these agave varietals that we've never heard of before they tell us how hard they are to find and why they're so interesting and why they grow sideways or why they grow without sun those are so, they have such a small allocation of them that they become the more premium spirit that is sought after because they're so hard to find and also so they're, it's so hard to give them the right give them the right distillation in order for them to have the flavor profile that exhibits that specific varietal. As you probably heard, there was a train coming by. <laughs> you are off of Main Street. How long have you been here? We've been here since mid-August. So right, the peak of summer. Peak of summer. <laughs> and uh, walking around downtown was awesome. <laughs> it goes to show there's not never a bad time to drink some mezcal. No, not at all. We were very well received when we opened the doors and this entire side of what is the 300 block on Main, we we just have so many neighbors and it was it was a great like the we were well received. It was a great neighborhood, and we were just very happy to be here. You've gotten quite a bit of attention, Zagat, Imbibe, making some great drinks and having some great people show, show up through the door. Tell us a little bit about some of the awards that you've won. Well, the bar has had a lot of recognition, I think, for a number of reasons, and a lot of people who are involved. I think most importantly is because we focus so heavily on curating a list of spirits and 
that, that uphold the standards of production that we want to see. So we're very, very picky when it comes to the things that we put on the shelf. And because of that, it makes the place even more special. At the same time, it's a very lovable place. It's very jovial. And when people come through here, they have a great time. It, it's a cocktail program that really resembles regionally what drinks in Mexico would be like. Rather than a classic, coming from a classic cocktail culture, it comes from a very regional perspective. And the place just looks beautiful. Beautiful. People love to walk in here. They It draws you in and you know you're going to have a great time. So yeah, the entire package has a lot to do with a very heartfelt uh, how we feel about tequila and how we feel about agave spirits in general. Yeah, the place really does look great. We're talking with Alba Huerta and we're over at, we're over at the Pastry War, which you guys don't sell any pastries. Or anything. It, 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 there's a little history behind the name. There is. It was serendipitous, really, how we came across the name. There's a few perspectives. Mine, and I'll tell you the one that I love the most, is that there's a focus on agave spirits from Mexico. And throughout the bar, you'll also see an influence of French liqueurs. So the Pastry War was a war that was between France and Mexico in 1838. It lasted three months a week in a couple of days. It really was a premise for future wars, but the the significance of it was that it was the first time a French national who lived in Mexico went to their government and asked for suffrage because his pastry shop had been ruined by Mexican officials. So that's how the name was acquired. It became the pastry war because of the significance of this particular pastry chef and how his shop was ruined. So let's let's get into a little bit more about the stuff that you do here. Do, do you still have cocktail series classes? We do. We have a monthly cocktail class and um, it focuses on different spirits so it's not just an agave focused class. The next one that we have will be on rum and uh, we've done bourbon and agave spirits this would be the third one that we do Um, and we also did uh, cognac so we paid homage to the french spirits that we carry in the bar every month we we focus on bringing education and also showcasing spirits that we really believe are uh, some of the better spirits that you can find in this market and we've actually we we love to have the influence of bringing those spirits in and then presenting them to our guests so that they can be more familiar with the bar at the same time. We've had some mezcal, yeah. and I really want to try some of the margaritas because you were talking about how they're fresh squeezed with two different limes. The margarita that we serve has a tequila. We uh, use Tapatio, which is a distillate from Carlos Camarena. And Carlos Camarena is an incredible distiller. He's been a master distiller of the year. I think I don't want to say three times because I'm not sure, but he's quite incredible and well recognized in the community as a person who has the utmost standards of production. So we use tequila tapatio and a blend of key lime and Persian lime and agave nectar. So we just have a very clean, very beautiful margarita that's just refreshing and incredibly lovable. Is that your best-selling drink here or do you have, what is the best-selling drink here? I would definitely say the margarita is one that sells the most. Um, there's a few other cocktails on the menu that are quite home run. The One of my favorite cocktails, because it reminds me of my childhood, is the Bala de Canon, which has a cantaloupe, honey, lemon, and tequila. And it's just that refreshing and simple, uh, but it's delicious. beautiful. It is. It's absolutely beautiful. And it reminds me of my childhood. When I, was a, when I was a kid, my mother used to make us cantaloupe water. So it's just that refreshing, but it has a little kick with the tequila that we added to it. All right, Alba. Well, let's go try some other stuff that you have here. Thanks for having us out. Of course. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming out. You can get more information on Facebook for the Pastry War. 
Absolutely. Follow us on uh, social media. That's where we put out most of our information. We also regularly talk about when our spirits classes are being held and um, all of the other events that we have going on at the bar. All right, let's get margaritas. You're listening to the radio show for the fermentation generation. Drink of Ages. John and Preston will be right back. Oh, yeah. You know I feel pretty good, too. I feel like doing it. What about y'all? Sing a little bit along with me, y'all. Smiths of Texas is who we use here at Drink of Ages Pub to help keep our beer the tastiest it can be. Properly clean beer lines is a guaranteed way to make sure the beer tastes like the breweries intended. If you need someone to service your draft system and keep it in great shape, call my buddies over at Draft Smiths of Texas at 877-505-3789 or look them up at dstexas.com. Find them at dstexas.com. This one is hot. And Welcome back to Drink of Ages, the one-of-a-kind craft beer radio show with John and Preston. Drink of Ages, we are over at Mongoose versus Cobra talking to Schaefer Hall and Mike Sammons. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, thanks. How are y'all doing? 10-4. 10-4. Roger that. Roger that. Got a big old convoy. Load them up and trucking. Gonna do what they said can't be done. <laughs> Actually quoting two different songs. Quoting a couple two different, different songs. Trucker Big Red, keep on rolling. Uh, but let's talk about Mongoose versus Cobra a little bit. When did you guys open up? It was a year and eight months ago. May 29th. So what made you guys decide to open a bar named Mongoose versus Cobra? Long story short, it sort of all is built around late night conversations with an old buddy of mine. He was telling me he's, he's addicted to buying things on eBay. And one of those things was a uh, Mongoose and a Cobra fighting in a, as a taxidermy and uh, while we were on the phone i just uh you know got on ebay and like searched for mongoose versus cobra and bought it out from under him and then it suddenly started to take this on this new strange cool meaning for me as it sat in my apartment and it had to be in the other room because my wife refused to let me keep it like in the regular room but as i looked at it every night i just started to see all these interesting concepts coming out of it i just thought it'd be a good name for a bar i don't know i'm looking at it i, I think my wife would really appreciate a mongoose versus cobra taxidermy yeah in the living room or the bedroom well, my wife and your wife should meet and maybe some of the... You can't have ours, but we'll tell you where to get one. <laughs> yeah. eBay. eBay. 
You can find everything on there. So let's talk about Draft Magazine nominated you guys as one of the top bars. I don't know what, what the hell they're thinking. Yeah, they took us by surprise with that one, but uh, we surely, surely appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's great to have anybody mention us for anything, so we appreciate it. How many taps you got on the wall over there? We have uh, 42, 42 taps and uh, two cask engines, so 44 taps all told. Although our first tap is, is not beer, it's actually uh, liquor. It's uh, Fernet Branca. All right, what is that? It's a sort of a bitter herbal Italian liqueur, high in, high in, very high in alcohol. It's kind of fun just to shoot. We'll have to have one before you go. We won't give you guys any of that until after the interview. I think we should do that before we have our habanero eating contest. Yeah. Let's talk about this place, the building. You guys did a phenomenal job at redecorating it from what it was. How, how was it when you guys bought it? Well, first of all, I should mention that all the, our, one of our other partners in this venture is, is Ian Rosenberg. In fact, he's sort of the general partner, and he's also an architect. So all this has to be, he has, he has to get, take full credit for that. But when we found this building, it was just totally derelict and completely in disrepair. I mean, there were whole, there's two large gaping holes in the top, and we replaced the entire roof. Yeah, I mean, it was just a shell when we found it, and there were a lot of you know, dead pigeons with Schaefer likes to remember. A lot of live pigeons, too. Which soon became dead <laughs> once I bought Schaefer a BB gun. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's it. in a nutshell. We, just, uh, we took a lot of old material, a lot of reclaimed wood. Um, all the wood you see on the side here covering the walls is actually sourced from uh, LBJ's personal bowling alley. Which uh, you know, which is not cool. true. <laughs> That's I, correct. <laughs> I do understand that you have a, a piece of another building here next door to the to the building that we're in right now, the Mongoose. There was we, what we believe was some sort of industrial storage or repair shop of some sort, but there was a um, I guess a threshold that we harvested from the old parking lot over there. There's also an abandoned tunnel between here and Leon's that they used to use as an escape route back when that was a boogie joint. Yeah, you'll find, and if you go over to Leon's, which is, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but it's the oldest bar in town, continually operating. But on the behind the bar, there's a manhole cover that's welded shut, and so we think that that must be the the entrance. Oh, so you don't you don't know where it is here to get over there? I think we do actually. We we had to cut in over here in the front to to tie into like the city mains for water and sewer, and we found something that looks looked vaguely like it could have been a tunnel at one point oh man we need to do that and then we can go make like horror sounds under the floor <laughs> and make leon's more haunted than what it is yeah there you go i like it so what's the is that a monkey taxidermied on top of the bar it's baboon charles looks nice thank you it's our favorite baboon most of the taxidermy in here is here because people's wives won't let them keep it in their house yeah. it seems to be a running theme so they end up buying it off of ebay and they need need some place to put it our friend jason actually brought that home with him from africa and his wife said no forget about it take that down of the mongoose. We're not going to keep a live baboon in our house, so we got to kill it, taxidermy it, and then we'll take it over to mongoose versus cobra. Yeah, actually, actually, that's, I forgot about this. This is a funny story. Uh, a lot of people, well, some people have been like, well, why, the, why would you support taxidermy a baboon? But it so happens this is a very evil baboon. That our friend Jason was uh, he was doing some some research work in in Africa. Some I think he was in Nairobi or something. And uh, this baboon was going around terrorizing everybody in the village. They're like stealing all their like little trinkets and food or whatever. So they just finally sh- sh- shot the damn thing. So he was like, well. Might as well have you know a good souvenir to bring back. Got a taxidermied on site. Does he have a guitar? No, he's got a banjo. And a sombrero. <laughs> some would say he has delusions of banjo. Speaking of music, I understand you guys have some music going on here. 
Sunday nights we have our Mongoose versus Cobra Fa- County Fair features uh, various local acts in repertory. Our friend Jason, that 70s guy Parker, will be playing this Sunday. And uh, Ruckus and Sand Dollar Swing also come regularly. We're talking with Shaver Hall and Mike Sammons from Mongoose versus Cobra. Let's get to the food a little bit because you guys brought out a big pail of cheeses, eggs, and fruit, and nuts, and bread, and jerky. Uh, I, I had him bring this one out just because I thought it's, this kind of shows you a lot of what we do. We don't have a full kitchen like this is this is a really good example of what we do i mean this has a little bit of everything so jerky salami summer sausage rye bread house-made pickles uh house-made pickled eggs various cheeses nuts and milk what else we got in there good beer food yeah we also have more substantial stuff like uh you know we have a house-made bratwurst a couple different sandwiches stuff like that yeah that jerky though that's what you need when you're drinking beer for show so let's get to the habanero peppers let's yeah we're gonna taste those on air Let's talk about why we even have habanero peppers at the table. Why do we have these at the table? We use them in our pickles. Is what makes our pickles as spicy as they are. We also like to keep a few on hand for guests like you to sample an original habanero pepper. They're not hot, right? And, no. Oh, no, not at no, all. Habanero, I think they're one of the lowest on the yeah. Scoville. No, you, they, they taste like strawberries. Yeah. You'll, you'll enjoy an interesting sensation followed by a massive endorphin rush. Brings a little conviviality to the table. It does. So for the record, there's four of us sitting at this table, and all four of us are going to eat one of these, right? We're going to eat this habanero, but uh, I'm, I have to tell all y'all, though, by experience, wash your hands before you go pee. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or not, if that's your thing. Yeah. If you like that little tingling sensation, <laughs> then yeah, maybe not. Now, the, now the worst part about this is that I'm out of beer. and oh, That's too bad. Well, Can we take a... I saved some. Can we, you, you can have half of my beer, John. Okay. All right. Here we go. We're all going to eat a hob... All right. Let's we're going to eat a habanero two, on three. right now. Here we go. Oh, that's tasty. Hmm. It's tasty. And a little that's hot. Not, it's a little... Hot to that. I kind of taste a little vegetable. A little oh heat. My That's, <laughs> oh my god! That's, it's almost taking my breath away. <laughs> as far as they go, that's not the hottest one I've ever oh, that's had. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. This is actually going to sit very well on all the uh, super hot chicken wings that I ate today. I'm going to eat some more. Son of a gun. I regret that. I will quickly lose the ability to talk. <laughs> yeah, this interview is oh, going, going south. It's been really great to have you guys. <clears throat> yeah. John, John and Preston, you were great you were great guests at our bar today. Well, I would uh, call y'all great hosts with the food and the beer, but man, you uh, actually killed it with Fina's habaneros at the end. It's refreshing uh, in a strange way. Let you know you're alive. Mike, Schaefer, appreciate y'all being on the show. John and Preston, it was great to have you here. Okay, I need to get a beer. We'll be right back, maybe.
whether a startup brewery or distillery or you've been around for years, the badass folks at Cash Branding has to be your go-to source for branded merchandise and apparel. Cash Branding does it all, from imprinted glassware, coasters, koozies, tin tackers, and bottle openers to dickies and red cap work shirts, t-shirts, and caps. Their apparel decorating options are top-notch, offering embroidery and the latest trends in screen printing, using water-based and discharge inks to achieve that super soft feel. Artwork services and samples are always free. Why go out of town or use multiple suppliers for your branded merchandise? Keep it local like we do. Let the badasses at Cast Branding, the official merchandise sponsor of Drink of Ages, kick your branded merchandise and apparel up a notch. Give them a call at 855-376-7638 or check them out at castbranding.com. Drink of Ages with John and Preston. We are on location, and today we're over at Rudyard's, and we're talking with Joe Appa, executive chef. Welcome to Drink of Ages. Hi. How y'all? How y'all doing? Doing great because you brought out some very stinky, delicious cheese, and we're <laughs> drinking beer. But you were born in Houston and raised here, correct? Yes, I was. I was born downtown at uh, St. Joseph's Hospital. So, what led you to be to become a chef? I was working in kitchens when I went uh, to college, and uh, it just kind of like um, turned into a career before I knew it. That seems to happen sometimes. <laughs> you don't really have, you just find something that you really enjoy, and then eventually you find a way to make a living doing it. It is a, it is a very rewarding career. It's uh, uh, very artistic, very hands-on, and uh, you get to play a lot with different uh, ingredients and here, I get to play with different beers. And that is a whole lot of fun. So when did you come on board at Rudyard's? Uh, sometime around uh, 2006. We're talking with Joe Appa from Rudyard's. Were they serving food before? Yes. Uh, the, the kitchen opened in uh, 97. Man, I was up here a lot drinking beer through that period of time. And I don't know if I ever actually ordered any food here because I think I walked in and just drank beer and threw darts. No, we're, we're kind of known for the Rudd's Burger and uh, black bean nachos and uh, fish tacos. We've been doing fish and chips for a long time, too. What's the favorite thing that you make here? It's, I got to say it's the Rudd's Burger. I got to say a good burger is, is awesome. So I also understand you were a teacher at the Art Institute. What, yeah, what yeah. happened there? I got hired on at the Art Institute for a couple of uh, semesters. It was uh, really challenging, and um, uh, but I did get to meet a lot of the chefs, some of which are still there, and uh, I got to meet 
uh, other chefs like uh, Randy Evans and uh, Hugo and uh, Chris Shepard. So it was fun, but uh, just a few names that you may have heard before. Right. You know, it was fun, but it, it, it's really hard teaching those kids. You know, those guys that do that are really, uh, you know, that you really have to have a talent to keep them interested. I would think so. What year did Rudyard's open? Rudyard's opened in 1978. And since then, you expanded upstairs. And I know I've seen a whole lot of shows up here as well. Well, it started over on Kipling, then moved uh, over to its present location on Waugh, and then uh, the upstairs upstairs got expanded around uh, 8197. You guys do a bunch of beer dinners here. Tell us a little bit about that. You, I understand you just had one. Yes, uh, we, we started the beer dinners about six years ago, and uh, it, was, uh, it was kind of a whim that we started them on. We never thought when we did it that it would, it would really take off, and we thought that people would not really know. When you say it's a beer dinner, they just assume it's just beer or a beer-tasting dinner. We didn't know what to call it in the beginning beer and food pairing dinner, but um, it developed this core following that just keeps coming back, and then they bring their friends, and then they bring their parents, then that, that's, a, that's a really a head trip there. So you end up with tablefuls of family. Oh, uh, family, friends, um, uh, some people get together just this one night a month so they can uh, catch up with their uh, other amigos. Well, what made this last one so special? Uh, it was the sixth year anniversary so number 72 in a row every month that's, that's different beers i you know i have the list somewhere on my computer and i think uh about three months ago we were, we were collating all the data and we looked at it and, and we've repeated like about 15 beers in that time so that's that's pretty remarkable there tell us a little bit about the the pairings how do you pick the foods and the beer you know i, I rely on um um the staff here at ruds they're all hopheads for the most part and uh they suggest breweries or they suggest beer ideas and then we kind of like um let it expand from there to figure out if if it's uh if it's if it's doable and then um john orders the beers and once the beers come in you know people always ask me how i do the beer dinner and uh, it always starts the same way you know one course has got to be dessert Another course has to be somewhat of an entree-ish kind of thing. So you really have just three courses to kind of play with. So soup, salad, appetizer ideas get floated around. Well, this last one you did an East Coast versus West Coast with a beer, and it started off like 5%, 6%, 7%, all the way to like 9%. That, that's that's pretty pretty interesting way of putting together a dinner. Yeah, uh, that was an idea that was uh, floated around by our um, Vani, our Benny Keith rep, that she wanted to do an East Coast versus West Coast based on style dinner. Well, you put a great chef into a pub and to a very nice place, and good things happen for sure. So, Joe, thanks for having us out. Thanks for the cheese and the beer. Thank you, guys. Look them up at rudyardspub.com or go to Facebook Rudyard's British Pub. Whether you're a craft beer lover or a brew it yourselfer, you've arrived at Beer Utopia. Drink of ages. John and Preston will be right back.
Phase two from No Label Brewing is one excellent beer. Just over 6%, this double dry hop New England IPA packs a juice punch and layered with tropical fruit. I am a big fan of this style and No Label nailed it. Get some while it is available around Houston and look for No Label's next seasonal, Irish Red, in February. If you are a fan of good beer, then come by Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive in Montrose. We have over 200 beers with 32 specialty rotating taps of badass beers, cider, kombucha, and cold-brewed nitro coffee. Take a 32-ounce growler or build a mixed six-pack to go. You can even bring your own growlers in, and we will fill them. Drink of Ages Pub, badass beer for here, badass beer to go. Justin Strait of Bruise Brothers, you are listening to Drink of Ages. Welcome back to Drink of Ages, the one-of-a-kind craft beer radio show with John and Preston. While the guys are taking a break, grab another pint and get ready for more Drink of Ages. Hops are sexy. Welcome back, craft brew lovers, to Drink of Ages with John and Preston. Drink of Ages, we are back, and we're going to play a segment. We went down to Nobi, and we sat down, and we talked to Channing about different events they have going on, and we sat around, we drank some good beer, really we good ate beer. a lot of really Absolutely. good food, and we're going to play that for you guys. Yep. We are with Channing Heron from Nobi Public House, and we're sitting around having a beer with him right now at Nobi Public House. Tell us a little bit about this place. Uh, well, it's... You know, Nobi Public House, it's the brainchild of uh, Andy and Charles Wynn, uh, two brothers. They, we own a sandwich shop in Friendswood, you know, Nobi Asian Grill. And uh, Andy's the, the man for that. He's the, he's, the, he's the food guy. And Charles owns uh, the Shell gas station right next door to it. And, you know, been known for a, a craft beer destination in the area. Has, you know, a lot of great craft beer you never expect to find in a, in a Shell station. And, you know, they've <clears throat> been talking it out for a while and, Decided that they wanted to put you know the two together and you know open up a pub, and uh, you know Clear Lake was pretty much a dead zone for craft beer for a long time. You know what better place to open one up than in Clear Lake? Yeah. So was there any doubt about a craft beer bar opening in this area would be very prolific? I mean, you guys do a really good business here, so I think we were all unsure of just how popular it was going to be uh, and how our business flow was going to be, but. We knew that the the desire was there. Um, there's plenty of you know craft beer fans in the area. I mean, you know, you have giant homebrew clubs like the Bay Area Astronauts down here. Uh, I mean, it's it was wide open, and we we really felt that you know it could be successful. We just weren't sure how successful. You know, we weren't sure how the how people were going to be about it, and it's been overwhelmingly you know supportive. You know, the the community's been very supportive of us. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and as well as I have been pretty supportive of you because I do not live <laughs> far from here. But um, how many taps are you guys running? I mean, we run 40 taps and a cask engine, technically about 39 taps. We have St. Arnold's Root Beer on tap at all times, and we do, we do have the cask engine, and 
typically we run casks on the weekends. So you try to keep craft Texas craft beer, or is it all over the place? Um, I mean, I, I really try to keep about at least 15% or so of my taps to be Texas beer, if at all possible, at all times. Uh, but we want to offer people, you know, a wide variety uh, of, you know, of, of beers to try. So we, we bring in all kind of stuff, and we rotate taps. We don't ever have the same thing on tap all the time. Uh, we constantly rotate through beers. So it's, it's just, you know, that way people have the option to, you know, if unfamiliar with craft beer, they always have something new to try. And, you know, there, there's always something for them to experiment with and play with and enjoy. Yeah, with 40 taps and plus your bottle selection, you got quite a bit. Uh, yeah, you know, we have uh, about 150, 160 different types of uh, beer in bottle and can. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of stuff for people to choose from. We're talking with Channing Heron from Noby Public House. So what, what's been the most exciting keg that you think that you guys have received here so far? Oh, that's tough. Um, I think the one I got most excited over, uh, well, there's well, two that I got most excited over uh, is the Kraken from Real Ale. Um, I love that beer. I just, I love that beer. And uh, I had been fighting to get it from the, you know, before we even opened. I was, I was petitioning to get that beer. And it took me about six or seven months before we finally got it. Um, you know, we had to show that commitment. But uh, we finally got that. And I, I was so excited that uh, I, I couldn't even tap it right away. I said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to save it for a later date. And uh, I'm still eagerly awaiting tapping that keg. Um, that and Founder's Breakfast Stout. Uh, it's probably my favorite beer. Honestly, I was really excited to get that one also. So let's talk a little bit about your food menu. You've got a, a pretty good food selection here. Pork fries. Oh, pork fries. Now that's definitely uh, beer food. Pork fries. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little eclectic. I mean, we have a, you know, we like to call it Vietnamese fusion. It's not traditional Vietnamese food by, by any stretch of the imagination, but there is that essence there. Um, it's pub food with a twist. Uh, you know, we have really good sandwiches. Uh, the pork fries are amazing, though. It's, you know, think chili cheese fries, but just pork and cheese and salsa, jalapenos, onions. I mean, it's and make so it better good. with a fried egg on top. And make it better with a fried egg on top. That's right, absolutely. I have yet to put a fried egg in a beer. I put a fried egg on everything else. I haven't done it on a beer yet, but I'll get there someday. We might do that today. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably something up there that would go really well with that, like that breakfast stout. Mm probably would oh ooh. then all of a sudden you do have breakfast i like that idea i like that idea well what's your favorite thing on the menu food wise uh honestly our wings i love our garlic wings uh the general bees wings that we have now it's, it's like a general chow's chicken wing um sweet and spicy they're excellent I, I i love those i i eat the wings more than anything probably uh that and the shaking beef so we're talking with channing herring from Noby house uh any plans on expansions brew pub you are a home brewer. You run some house beer ta- on your taps? No, um, not yet. I, I would really uh, like to get something going with uh, the homebrew community here in the next year or so. I want to set up some type of competition, uh, and that way you know, we can figure out a way to get their beer on the wall, donate the proceeds to charity, um, and just give people a chance to see their beer flowing from a wall because uh, it's, it's an amazing feeling. That's uh, going to be a little challenging right now with the law still. Yeah, it will be, but I mean, if we can figure out a, like I said, if we can figure out a good charity to uh, get the proceeds to, um, I, I think we can, you know, figure something out and make it work. Um, you know, because we want to benefit the local community also. So, as, as far as expansion goes, we would love to expand. <laughs> we would love to expand. Uh, it's just going to be the ability to, you know, at this at this time. So, so the nutrition place next door, <laughs> it would be nice, but they're probably not going anywhere anytime soon. Right, right. Yeah. Um that's 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 the problem there. That's the problem. 
now that beer week is over, what's next for Nobi? Uh, you know, we have uh, our anniversary, actually. We're really excited about that. It's our one-year anniversary, December 20th. We're going to have a lot of really amazing beers on tap. I'm not going to tap them all at once. You know, we'll block some stuff out and tap different beers at different times. Hopefully, everybody will come out and have a good time and enjoy themselves. You know, we're working on getting some stuff done where we can uh, block off the parking lot and have some uh, tents set up outside and maybe some bands play and, you know, just uh, share some love with everybody and, you know, show them how much we appreciate uh, everything they've done for us for the past year so. Uh, it's going to be a great time. We're going to have a lot of fun. So the first year has definitely beat expectations. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's been really great. It's been really great. Well, what is the best way to find out what events and beer tappings are happening here at Nobi? Uh, follow us on Facebook uh, or uh, on Twitter, at Nobi Pub. It's our Twitter handle. Uh, we're always posting stuff that we tap on there and events that we have going on. All right. Well, thank you very much for having us. We had a great time. We're having some really good beers. I think we're going to try some food here in just a minute. Uh, any recommendations real quick? Pork chop pork and chop a pint night Tuesday. tonight. Oh, uh, Tuesday right. nights, pork chop and a pint for 7 bucks. You can't beat that. There so, you, you know, you get a great chop and uh, steamed or fried rice with a pint of beer. Channing, thanks for having us out. Stay tuned. Thank you very much. You're listening to the radio show for the fermentation generation. Drink of Ages. John and Preston will be right back. John from Drink of Ages Radio Show here, and I have another badass beer for all you good beer drinkers to try. Iron Thistle from Roaring Sons. This is a 7% Scottish ale. It has a bold taste that is dominated by a smooth, sweet maltiness and caramel flavors, balanced with a low hoppy bitterness. Iron Thistle is a silver medal award-winning beer at Great American Beer Fest. Look for the purple cans of Iron Thistle from Roaring Sons or ask for Pine at your favorite good beer bars and listen to Drink of Ages Radio Show Friday nights at 9 p.m. here on ESPN 97.5. You know, Spindletap makes some pretty excellent IPAs. Draped Up is one of them. If you missed the original release last year, you're in luck, and they have brewed it again. Draped Up is a 6.8% four times dry hopped with Mosaic, Amarillo, Galaxy, and Wakatoo. Get some before it is gone, and do yourself a favor. Stop by the brewery and pair some Draped Up with a slice of Texas wood-fired pizza located at Spindletap Brewery. Treat yourself to something good.
Hops are sexy. Welcome back, craft brew lovers, to Drink of Ages with John and Preston. We're back, and with us now is one of the one of our favorite bars, the owner of the petrol station, Absolutely. Ben Full of Love. They made they made you say that, right? Hey, no, it's, that's yeah. the truth, man. We that's a great place. Awesome. We dig it. Why don't you tell everybody about petrol station? Uh, we can basically sum it up in four words: uh, faith, family, friends, and fun. No, I'm just kidding. It's written right there on your uh, religious <laughs> rock over there. Um, I basically have no skills and I can't get another job, so I opened a bar called Petrol Station that um, started out as a coffee house, and uh, we had four beers on tap, and we decided beers were a lot more fun than coffee was, and now we have 35 beers on tap, and we kind of express our lust for craft beer, and um, we serve awesome burgers. It was really a... I wanted a place where I could go hang out, and I like laid back. I like to drink. I like to have good conversation, and um, you know, I hope that's what we achieved over there. Yeah, turned into almost a family place. It's. A, I think we have a the kind of a cult sort of thing going on at this point. Uh, we had talked about giving people robes and um, initiation <laughs> like type stuff. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, now I with like our new backyard, backyard, is definitely super culty. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's awesome. I'm from England, and um, I think that neighborhood pubby type thing where where you could go and uh, they knew your name and you felt comfortable. And if you acted like a jerk, then uh, you know you were forgiven because you were family or you know just that just comfortable. And my neighborhood seems to have grown to League City and many other places where people come to my bar, which is super flattering for me. And obviously, attention we got with Draft Magazine and best beer bars and things like that is very flattering. Um, basically, I just don't want to get a real job, so that that works out awesome. <laughs> That's why I'm doing a radio show. Yeah. I didn't want to I say that. You want a real make job. you feel crappy about yourself. <laughs> no, I'm in. You're like, where can I have facial hair and still have a job? <laughs> On the radio. <laughs> Nobody can see it. Nobody sees, yeah. So you guys have a really great, excellent selection over there. How do you decide what you actually serve to the public? Uh, actually, I track down a lot of beers. Um, I... I basically go and find what I want, what I would like to drink when I go out. And um, I always have have a really great distributor um, rep who basically told me that uh, it's not about me all the time, which I thought it was. Um, so she makes sure that I don't have nothing but IPAs on tap. And she kind of tells me things that are that are out that um, maybe I wouldn't drink, but other people might like. So we, we definitely conscious. I think nobody thinks we're conscious of having a well-rounded selection, but... Um, I like big, hoppy beers. I like um, aggressive, you know, Belgians and um, barley wines, things like that. But definitely, we try to keep it more where even somebody with a palate that's not super defined would be able to come out and have a good time, and hopefully they learn something. And, you know, that's sort of why we divided our menu board up, how it is. Let's um, talk about that a little bit. You've got a really unique Yeah, we got a lot board. of crap about that when we started with that. Um, I like it. It's not insulting. It was meant to be a thing um, that's, that said maybe you would like this beer, but your goal should be that you would try and explore other things and as your palate developed. And, um, you know, it, it's not trying to say that you shouldn't drink those beers, but uh, I think initially we took it as when you go to Colorado and you go skiing and... You know, maybe you should be on the bunny slope, but maybe you shouldn't be. Maybe you want to be wild tonight and go down the moguls or something. But I think we get bored and we just like to do stuff to, you know, make it more fun for us. And we're big Star Wars nerds, so that helps out too. <laughs> Obviously, with the rancor on the menu, it became uh, something that we were definitely known for um, and took a life of its own. Well, you know, you're talking about IPAs and how much you like them. You guys have won the Most Bitter Bar in America two years now. 
Dude, that was a good segue right there, man. That was, um, yeah. Uh, the first, I think, the first year we won, it's not something we expected to happen um, because there's a lot of really. If if you've ever traveled, there's amazing bars out there. There's places with incredible selections, much bigger than we are. A lot more taps, um, and and we beat all of them. So. <laughs> It was pretty flattering. I think the second year we didn't expect to win, and there was some issues with uh, actually beers that didn't come. You know, we were selling the beers faster between us and Hay Merchant and Saucer, where the distributor wasn't prepared for the amount of beers that, that we would need between, you know, the, I think it was four bars with the two saucers. Um, we were buying so many hoppy beers from these guys that they were having them transferred from Dallas and San Antonio and. Uh, and Austin just to keep up with what we were doing. All right, everybody, we're talking to Ben Full of Drink of Ages. We'll be right back. Sometimes a pint's not enough. Your craft brew gurus will be right back. Yeah. Welcome back to Drink of Ages, the one-of-a-kind craft beer radio show with John and Preston. We're still talking to Ben Full of Unfortunately, sorry. Well, let's talk about Greg Cook. Uh-huh. A good friend of mine. Yep. He came by, and you guys did a tent revival. When when you get an opportunity to meet a lot of brewery people like we have, uh, which is awesome, um, I would imagine for them going to bars, you know, they, they seem like, I hope they have a good time, but we didn't want it to be just another experience for him. And I actually took the time to watch some videos on YouTube, and uh, the, the way he speaks really seemed like he was preaching about craft beer. He no, was, it was great. Very passionate, super excited, so we decided that we would go all out and embrace that, and we went and rented a tent, like a revival-style tent, lit it up, and got a PA, and I had a friend of mine come play Keys, um, much like an old-school revival tent. I didn't realize how revival it would be until... It was actually going on, and my friend on the keys was right there with him, and, and he would say something, and my friend, you know, it's a dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he, was, he was all over it, um, which was, it was great. He was a great sport about the whole thing, because I think when we did it, we, we thought maybe this could go horribly wrong, and, uh, and it didn't. So uh, it seemed like people enjoyed it. We like to have fun. We definitely, um, we don't want it just to be another, you know, beer experience, but maybe something a little bit beyond that. Anyone else scheduled? Um, yeah, we actually have a bunch of people coming, man. We have um, uh, the owner of Six Point Brewery is coming out mm-hmm. on the 9th of April. And um, no, nah, I lied, dude. That's it. We don't know anybody <laughs> else. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about your trip to Boston and, and your brewing with Clown Shoes and your brewery. Yeah, I um, I think I had set a goal in my mind that um, I, I think everybody who has anything to do with beer wants to make beer. And they have a, you know, you meet a lot of homebrewers who have the aspiration to own a brewery and they have names for them and they have recipes and labels and things like that. And uh, I think I had the same aspiration that I was going to own a brewery and I set a goal by the time I was 40 that that might happen for me. So I started making labels and recipes and things like that. I was lucky enough to meet uh, Greg Berman from Clown Shoes who came to Petrol one night and said, you know, uh, I heard that that you have this dream to make beer. And we had made some recipes with Southern Star, you know, and hung out with them, which they were just, I'm going to plug them shamelessly. Sure, no problem. I I know Dave, he's a good friend too. They're good guys. No, I just met him in the lobby, but that's cool. Um, (laughs) And he's contract, I didn't know this about Clown Shoes until I met him, that they're actually contract brewed through Mercury Brewing Company in Ipswich, Massachusetts. And he had a dream to make beers and he had all these, um, he didn't have recipes, but he had a direction that he wanted to push something and label ideas where 
I actually, you know, with mine, I make my own recipes, and I, I don't release a beer until it tastes exactly how I wanted to taste it, which was hard to look at your own beers and, and, and be as critical about them as I am about the stuff we put on tap at Petrol. But uh, he gave me the opportunity to meet the guys from Mercury, and I pitched what I wanted to do at them, and they liked it. So now I have three beers out, I think. Can't get none of them here in Houston. You can get though. nothing here. And I have a collaboration yeah. with Ska Brewing, which um, I'm really excited about that will not be available here also. Hopefully that will change soon. Well, with the laws changing, I mean, is there a chance that we will see a brass brewery here? I think it's going to take a while because the laws that are changing are a little more simple um, as far as being able to go to a brewery and drink a beer and pay for it or a brewery to have a restaurant in it where you could go drink or a brew pub to distribute. The laws that would affect me and the three-tier system have really not changed all that much. And I think me personally, it's a weird case because... I'm a, I had TABC contact me, making sure I wasn't going to bring my beers into town because nobody's done what I'm doing. I'm, I live in Texas and I contract brew in Massachusetts and I distribute my beer in 16 states that aren't Texas, but I think they're afraid I was going to try to bring my beers into town. Well, will Petrol ever become a brew pub? We've tossed around this idea a lot also. Um, a lot of the guys, uh, my business partner is Avid Home Brewer. A lot of the guys that work for us are. Um, obviously, we're passionate about beer. So we, we've looked into it. Um, we, we've been remodeling our kitchen and, and remodeling the place period, trying to always put uh, everything back into it. But for now, you probably won't see it for a little while. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to because that's a platform where I could make my own beers that are made through Brash and serve them directly at Petrol. And now with the law changing, we could distribute through Petrol, which would be pretty cool. You promote your bar as the poor man's hay merchant. <laughs> Are you and Kevin Floyd have a good relationship? Yeah, Kevin and I have a great relationship. Um, I'm lucky enough to get invited to uh, beer dinners at Underbelly and things that those guys put on. And, um, you know, we're obviously very different how we approach things. But um, the whole poor man's hay merchant thing, I had... Hung out with Kevin one night and had some drinks and told him that I had planned on ripping off his logo and making fun of it. And um, I think he thought I was kidding at that time and agreed to it. So we went ahead and did it six months later on petrol time, basically. You know, anything we think of is going to happen much, much later. But um, I think when it came out, the shock that we got from those guys that we actually went ahead and did it was pretty awesome and we got a lot of articles written about it uh, which was shocking to me that so many people cared I, I, we have no feud but I think people made up this feud that we had between each other um, he actually agreed to let me do it um, but you yeah. know, maybe they maybe they think it's not a good idea now yeah, it's good I for think business. it turned out it turned out beautifully yeah. it, re, it really oh, the, the artwork like was great yeah yeah so we're kind of done with that one I don't think we're gonna ever do anything with that again but it was sort of tongue-in-cheek stab at those guys. And, um, you know, I think they toyed around with making one about us. But uh, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. Whenever you're ready. You guys do not have a website, but you do post a lot of stuff on Facebook. No, no website. Uh, my brewery has a website, brushbeers.com. But um, social media is our friend for petrol. It seems to be the quickest way to get a lot of people to understand what we're talking about. Ben, thanks for coming on the show. I had a terrible time. I'm never going to be back we, again. We can tell. But thanks. <laughs> thanks for validating my hey, parking. Thanks for the Bigfoot. <laughs> yes. Drink no of Ages. That's awesome. <laughs> Barrel Age Bigfoot. Yes. Yeah. All right. We are back in. Thanks for joining us for this flashback episode of Drink of Ages Radio. I mean, we just have, it's been so much fun and entertaining for for us and, you know, informative. I think that we, you know, it's, it's, I call this an educational show because some, somewhere between this whole hour, you will, you might, you might learn something about something other than just, you know, how many beers we can drink in an hour, but 
Uh, this is this has been a fun little flashback episode, and it is brought to you by our Michigan friends, Bell's Brewery and their Winter White Ale. Grab some at your favorite bar, and if they do not have it, ask them to get it. You can stop by a Drink of Ages pub and get some, uh, 1005 Wall Drive, over the Montrose area. You can listen to the past show sponsored by Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company on iTunes or by going to drinkofages.com. Be safe. Go Rockets. I'm glad we're out of the freeze. And, man, looking look like some good weather coming up. So talk to everybody next week.